The pointed end of the needle was already indicating nearly fifty pounds. It had been zero before building the fire. Jones would have to tell him how much pressure was needed before he could hope to move this behemoth. He certainly hoped Jones was as familiar with the controls as he purported to be. Of course, there was always the danger of too much pressure. Too much pressure, and this thing could blow like a boxcar load of dynamite. That thought already hovered in the back of Stone's mind. Near the top of the boiler was an elongated lever with a half-round bar running along the front. No doubt, the bar was a release that allowed the lever to move. That would prevent it being shifted accidentally or by vibration. He figured the lever was the throttle. He would find out for sure, however. Near the right side of the boiler were two brass levers. These moved horizontally. He didn't even try to speculate as to what function they served. Instead, he carefully sketched them on his diagram. At various areas around the boiler were screw-type valves. Since they all seemed to be open, hopefully he wouldn't have to worry much about them. Apparently, they were in the position they needed to be when the train was abruptly brought to a stop. To the right, mounted on pipes stemming from the boiler were two small gauges. Sketching them, he added the numbers on the scales. Drawing what other controls he could readily see, he double-checked his work. He didn't attempt to note all the pipes running every imaginable direction from the boiler. One could become dizzy just studying them. It would take a well-trained engineer or a mechanic to know the purpose each one served. Satisfied everything was as it should be, he glanced at the big gauge again. It had risen even more. Folding the paper and placing it inside his jacket, he headed down the steps. He was ready to learn how he could make this thing run. Jones had been asleep, but stirred with the opening of the door and Stone's emergence into the car. "'Let's change that bandage and let me check your wound, Jones.' Stone suggested. He wanted to make sure the brakeman hadn't started bleeding again as well as check for the presence of infection. Gangrene was a big concern, not that there was anything he could do about it. Jones had no objections. Pulling down the blanket and pulling aside the brakeman's shirt, Stone untied the strip holding the wad of blanket in place. The bleeding had not restarted and a minute scabbing had developed. He supposed that was good, although the wound would be reopened once a doctor or someone with the expertise and equipment removed the bullet. There was a reddish hue around the wound, but not to the extent that would indicate infection and definitely not gangrene. This time, he saw something he hadn't seen before. To the right of the wound was a long, raised stripe, possibly resembling a whelp, as if Joan's belly had suffered a blow from a whip or some elongated object. At the end of the reddish streak, about ten inches from the entrance wound, was a rounded, raised knot. Feeling this, Stone realized it was the slug. When Jones was shot, rather than the bullet burrowing into his abdominal cavity, it had moved toward his side just under the skin. There was no wonder he wasn't showing the signs of a mortally wounded gunshot victim. This is one lucky peckerwood, Stone thought. You know what, old son? It looks like you're going to survive. Jones gave him a look that asked how he had come to that conclusion. The bullet is just under the skin, Stone enlightened him. Jones closed his eyes and gave an exaggerated sigh. Opening his eyes, said, That's the best news I've had in some time.